Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founding editor of the podcast. Today on the podcast, we're discussing ACL surgery and specifically risk factors for graft failure in both primary and revision reconstructions. I'm excited to be joined in this discussion by Dr. Connor Ziegler, a sports medicine surgeon with New England Orthopedic Surgeons and team physician for the U.S. ski and snowboard teams. Dr. Ziegler was the lead author on the article titled Bite and Score, Tibial Slope, Tibial Subluxation, Quadriceps Circumference Difference, and family history are risk factors for anterior cruciate ligament graft failure, a retrospective comparison of primary and revision anterior cruciate ligament reconstructions, which was published in the January 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Nicholas DiFilippo, Mitchell Kennedy, Travis Decker, Grant Dornan, and Robert Laprat. Connor, congratulations on your work and welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. Can you introduce us to your study by describing some of the background behind your project and what motivated you to investigate this clinical question? Absolutely. The, uh, the idea for the study really developed from treating a large number of patients with failed ACL reconstructions during my time as a sports fellow at the Stedman Clinic in Vail, Colorado. I was seeing such a large volume of these patients, and we had a systematic approach for evaluating them and understanding what went wrong and or what reasons contributed to, to these failures. Some commonalities were easy to identify. Um, not many practices have such a high volume of revision ACL, so I saw this as an opportunity to update and reinforce the orthopedic community on what things we need to be focusing on and considering for ACL reconstruction patients to get it right the first time and to limit failures. As stated in your paper, the purpose of your study was to better discern the risk factors for ACL graft failure of those patients undergoing primary and revision ACL surgery. Can you tell us about your methods and how you went about studying this? Yes. Uh, we performed a retrospective cross-sectional comparison of patients between 2016 and 2018 who presented for primary ACL tear or ACL graft failure in a single surgeon's practice. There were a total of 109 primary ACL patients with at least one year follow-up and 90 revision ACL patients. Uh, patients who sustained ACL graft failure had their primary ACL reconstruction performed either by the senior author which accounted for only one patient, or they presented as referrals um, or second opinions having had their primary ACL performed elsewhere. Uh, demographic examination, operative, radiographic, and advanced imaging data were collected for all patients. Tunnel osteolysis was assessed in all revision cases preoperatively using CT imaging. For tunnel position analysis, uh, 3D reformatted CT scans were created. Based on the percentage uh, range previously reported in the literature for localizing femoral and tibial ACL insertion centers and to more strictly adhere to anatomic tunnel placement, we chose a 10% anatomic acceptability zone for both the anterior to posterior and medial to lateral positions on the tibia, as well as the deep, shallow, and high-low positions on the femur. So, Connor, what were your results? What did you guys find? So, 87% of uh, revision ACL patients um, in, in this study actually underwent a two-stage uh, reconstruction with the first stage bone grafting, um, along with meniscus repair and osteotomy uh, is needed. There was only one ACL graft failure from the senior author uh, with remaining ACL graft failures from patients who had their primary ACLs performed at outside centers. 
96% of patients in the primary group um, had BTD uh, graft, and 82% of the primary and revision ACL uh, reconstructions performed uh, using BTB autograft by the senior author. There was uh, no reported graft failures in the primary group at a minimum one-year follow-up. 28% uh, of revision ACL patients from outside centers had their primary ACL reconstruction performed using allograft, and 62% um, using soft tissue grafts. More to the, to the core of the results, uh, compared to the primary ACL group, the revision ACL group had significantly increased Baten score, um, greater side-to-side -side difference in quadriceps circumference, increased family history of ACL tear, and that was notable, 48% in the revision group versus 16% in the primary group. Um, among the MRI measurements, there was significantly increased lateral posterior tibial slope, which has been reported. Anterolateral tibial subluxation was also significantly greater in the revision group, as was anteromedial tibial subluxation. In the CT scan um, analysis, 78% of patients in the revision group had tunnel malposition in two or more of the four positions measured. So there was two on the tibia and two on the femur. 22% of patients had combined femoral malposition in the deep shallow and high-low positions on the femur, and 29% had tunnel malposition on the femur in both, both femoral positions, along with uh, malposition in the anterior to posterior uh, uh, position on the tibia, and this accounted for transtibial tunnel drilling in all cases. There's been a fair number of articles published on risk factors for ACL failure. Were any of your findings specifically surprising or unexpected? I mean, some of the some of the findings were were expected um, certainly. I think the most important findings in the study uh, were that revision ACL reconstruction group exhibited significantly increased uh, lateral posterior tibial slope, um, anterolateral and anteromedial tibial subluxation uh, compared to the primary ACL reconstruction group. Moreover, the revision uh, group had significantly increased Baden score and greater side-to-side -side difference in quadriceps circumference. Um, the positive family history of ACL tear was also significantly more likely in the revision group. And this might represent an important factor to ascertain from patients and discuss as part of a, an individual ACL failure risk profile. Another known risk factor for ACL graft failure support in the study was tunnel malposition, as we discussed. So in, in essence, assess assessment of hyperlaxity and obtaining an adequate patient and family history appear to be important preoperative considerations when counseling patients. Uh, for ACL tears. Beyond the, the positive family history being much more prevalent in the revision group, there was also a high prevalence of lateral meniscus root tears in both the primary and revision ACL reconstruction groups, with repairs performed in 28.8% of patients in the revision group and almost 15% of patients in the primary group. Um, 94 uh, or almost 95% of patients in the primary ACL group had a meniscus tear in the study. Um, so these data suggest the importance of thoroughly evaluating for meniscus tears, including root tears, at the time of ACL reconstruction. Absolutely. A common risk factor for ACL reconstruction failure is well documented to be technical error, in particular tunnel malposition. Uh, can you speak to this for some of our younger listeners and specifically discuss what you mean by the terms deep shallow, which you found in two-thirds of your revisions, and high-low found in a third of your revisions, can you discuss what those terms mean with respect to femoral tunnel malposition? Yes, absolutely. Tunnel centers were measured in, um, in a way similar to the original uh, Bernard and Hurdle method and adapted to use with uh, 3D CT imaging. So in this method, the arthroscopic terms deep, shallow, and high-low are used. Deep, shallow is the distance from the posterior cortex 
uh, of femoral cortex to the tunnel center divided by the distance of the entire depth of the lateral condyle along Blumensatz line. High-low is the distance from the intracondylar roof to the tunnel center divided by the height of the intracondylar notch measured perpendicular to Blumensatz line and extending to the most posterior aspect of the femoral condyle. So that's a lot of, that's, that's very verbose. Um, figure four in the, uh, the article kind of highlights this uh, and you can follow that along. Great, thanks. How do you think ACL surgeons can implement the findings of your study into their clinical practices? How, how might we use this study's findings to better care for our patients? So I think this study builds on a lot of, uh, of data that, we, that we've um, become accustomed to in the ACL literature, but I think this study hits home the, um, that we really need to be taking adequate history and performing a solid clinical evaluation for concomitant injuries and risk factors, um, which is just paramount in, in uh, evaluating our patients. Uh, beyond that, good surgical technique and being critical of tunnel uh, position is something we must always strive to optimize. In your own clinical practice, Connor, this question a little bit off the cuff, there are obviously modifiable and non-modifiable uh, risk factors that you evaluated. The bite and score, family history, obviously non-modifiable, but the side-to-side quadriceps difference uh, or the side-to-side difference in quadriceps circumference and potentially even the tibial slope can be modified preoperatively. Are you doing anything different in your practice for ACL patients who have some of these risk factors? I mean, before we even get to surgery, just counseling them on their risk profile, I think is very important. Um, family history is a, is a big take-home message, I think, from this article. And, and I, I always ask that and um, among my ACL uh, care patients. Um, so, you know, counseling them on, on what factors they have that put them at, at higher risk, I think, is essential. And then, and then making sure that their post-operative plan really allows sufficient time to get their quadriceps strength back. Um, we really can't be sending patients back at six months. Um, I think that's too soon. And I, I think that we really need to focus on, on getting them conditioned um, as equal as we can to their uh, contralateral side before returning them to sports. And in some patients, that's, that's going to be more important than others. Um, as far as, as surgical know-how, I mean, just, just being so, very self-critical, um, following good technique, um, and always addressing concomitant pathology. Um, can't ignore meniscus tears. You have to look for them. This study showed 94.5% um, rate of meniscus tear uh, with primary ACL reconstruction. Um, that's something that I've seen in my own practice. So, I, you know, I think you always have to look for these things. Um, don't be afraid to do a Gilquist maneuver. Look in the back for meniscal capsular tears. Look for lateral root tears. Uh, you'll see a lot more of them if you look for them. Excellent advice for any ACL surgeon. Thank you. Before we close, do you have any other tips or guidance you'd like to share with our listeners regarding primary or revision ACL surgery? You know, ACL graft failures will happen. Uh, they, they can occur for a multitude of reasons, as we know. Uh, the patient and surgeon have a combined role in achieving durable success after ACL reconstruction. We as surgeons uh, can limit some of the risk and better counsel uh, patients at increased risk for graft failure. Uh, no patient knee or injury is the same, and we need to assess each case individually to achieve the best outcomes. Connor, I want to congratulate you again on your work, your contributions to the literature on ACL surgery, and I think specifically take home for me from this study is what it helps with uh, patient counseling and expectation management, as you alluded to. 
So thank you again for sharing your time and your thoughts with us today. That was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Dr. Ziegler's article titled Bite and Score, Tibial Slope, Tibial Subluxation, Quadriceps, Circumference Difference, and Family History are Risk Factors for Anterior Cruciate Ligament Graft Failure, a retrospective comparison of primary and revision anterior cruciate ligament reconstructions can be found in the January 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal, which is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.